My name is John Stamper. I'm our ministries pastor here at Graceland. It's my privilege to serve this great church. Uh, this is a phenomenal faith family. And I know Jeannie and I and our entire family are blessed to serve here. And I just would love to say, if, if you're looking for a church home, welcome home. We would love for you to be here. God has done some incredible things to the life of this church. 2016 was just an amazing year for us. And we're excited about what God is going to continue to do. Amen. And uh, once again, we'd love to have the chance to meet you. Uh, Pastor Ray will be back here next Sunday, and he'll be launching into that series called Life. And how we not only live life, how do we do life together? How does God guide us through life? And I promise you, you will want to be here. I would love to encourage you to invite someone, invite a guest to be here as well. And as uh, Betsy alluded to earlier, we have that book that we'll be reading together through that series. It's just our whole staff is excited about that. I hope you are as well and that you're praying for that as we continue to see what God has for us. Um, I do want to say, if you're a guest with us this morning, that car that's in your bulletin, we would love to invite you to fill that out. I'll be in our, what's called our family room, just outside the worship center here on the left by the stone wall. We have a gift we'd love to place in your hand. And I would love to personally meet you and to be able to give you that gift and connect with you this morning. I also want you to know if you're a guest and you see me on the screen today, just know the camera adds 40 pounds. All right. Uh, they're using two cameras, so I'll let you do the math on that, all right? In real life, I'm six foot two, one twenty. No, not really, right? <laughs> Today is the first day of 2017. I'd like to officially say Happy New Year, right? Yeah. So turn to somebody to your right or left. Tell them Happy New Year, right? Happy New Year. Yeah. It's going to be a great year. You know, when we, when we say Happy New Year, specifically when we think about New Year's Eve or, or the day, you know, there's... So many times things that come to mind, especially when it comes to making decisions, or we would say resolutions, right? We're making New Year's resolutions. And the idea of the understanding of a resolution, the definition of that is simply solving a problem. So we're, we're resolving to change something. We're resolving to, to make a decision or a choice in our life that could, could help us. And there's actually a think tank, a, a stats think tank that's called Statistical Brain. And for looking at 2017, the top 10 New Year's resolutions, and they range from spending time with family, learning something new, maybe looking at their own personal life. But the number one, the number one New Year's resolution, a shocker for 2017 would be what, somebody? Lose weight. That's exactly right. Losing weight. I would like to lose weight in 2017. Top resolution of those living in America. And when we think about that idea of losing weight, not only is it something that we desire as Americans, but you even see it in the marketing and the commercials that take place even on Christmas. You, you can see about noon to one or two o'clock during the day, Christmas is leading up to advertising everything that you should be purchasing for gifts or your family. And about two o'clock that afternoon, it switches from things you should purchase to the exercise equipment, right? The diet plans, take this one diet plan, eat all that you want, all the bacon that you want, like, you know, whatever, right? It's all that exercise. Even recently, Jeannie and I and the children were actually at Academy over in Louisville. You guys know this store. It's like a sporting goods store. And we walked in and to the left, they had the exercise machines, the, the treadmill, the, the weightlifting, all these devices that were there. And we were over there looking at some of those. And there was a lady that was on one of these type of exercise machines. It's the one that steps in your arms. You got to contort your body all different ways. And she's on there. And as she's moving with her body doing this, her husband says, are you about through and ready for dessert? She says, absolutely, right? Making that transition. 
But we see that in America, that, that we desire to make changes. We want to make good choices. So the question would rest, even as we make those choices, how do we make good choices? And, and maybe, maybe more importantly, as followers of Christ, how do we make decisions? How do we resolve areas in our own life that not only reflect our desire, but more importantly, God's will for our life, our, our spiritual reflection of God's will in our life? Is, is there some way that we could make a decision that could help guide us in that? Because if we were to be honest with ourselves, we would love to make choices or, or resolutions in our life that would reflect not only God's will, but would allow God to use us to become all that he created us to be. That God would use us to do incredible things, not only in our life now, but for the kingdom, even as the years continue to progress. One of the things I used to love to do when I was a youth pastor is I would actually take our seniors who were getting ready to go off to college or were getting ready to leave as seniors in high school, and I would take them and drive them to a local graveyard. And I would take them to the graveyard, and I'd give them one piece of paper and a bottle of water, and I'd share with them, I will be back in one hour. And when I come back in one hour, I would like to know from you what you heard from those in the graveyard. And they'd always look at me like, what are you talking about, John? I, I want to know, what do these people say to you? And it was always amazing. I'd come back an hour later and I would hear things like family matters. You would see that person and all their loved ones that were, you could sense family from them. You could sense that time is short. You could sense that mar- all the things that they would say. And after they would conclude that, I said, now that you've kind of heard some of that, the next few moments, I want to talk to you as leaders, as those moving into life, I want to talk to you about something that all of these tombstones had in common. And it was that, not the date or the end date, but it was the dash between there, right? And I want to talk to them about dash management. How do you ensure that you're living your life? And when it comes to making decisions or choices or resolutions that guide us in our life, how are we ensuring that those reflect God's will, his good, pleasing, perfect will? Is there something that can help guide us in making those decisions? Well, the good news is there is. It's not only the word of God, but specifically a passage in scripture that can help encourage us in understanding God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will, as scripture says. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd love to invite you to turn to the book of Romans and more specifically Romans chapter 12. And if you're a guest with us today and you don't have a Bible, the pew Bible that's in front of you, I'll be reading from as well. That's our gift to you. You'll find Romans chapter 12 on page 1137 in that pew Bible. Now, this is an incredible book. As Paul's writing to these individuals at Rome, and he's really laying some groundwork of encouraging them that God has not left them behind, that they can come to know Christ as their Savior. And we find incredible truths that guide us through this. We, we hear things like the Romans road, those that can understand and accept Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse, or then we see in chapter 6 and 9 and 10 throughout this book. And then Actually, in chapters 9 and 11, Paul begins to really understand or teach even doctrinal issues there. And he begins to make a paradigm shift in chapter 12. From 11 back is how you can accept Christ and doctrinal issues. And then in chapter 12, Paul makes this paradigm shift and saying, here's how it looks in everyday life. Here's the practical way that you can live this out. And that is what we want to look at today in just two verses in the book of Romans chapter 12. And I'll read as it's on the screen behind me. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, remember, you can know Christ, you can live for him, the doctor. Therefore, I urge you, brothers 
and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your holy, I apologize, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's awesome about this passage of scripture this morning is for those that are desiring to, to reflect those choices or decisions or resolutions that would align with God's will, this passage gives us the elements in which we can do that. That we can make decisions knowing God's will and his perfect and pleasing will that can guide us in our relationship and even as we look at 2017 and beyond. Now, I just want to unpack real quickly this morning three practical truths, three elements that can help us. And I've been asked many, many times over the years, how do you know God's will? How can you determine that? And about the best way I've been able to describe that on a practical way is if you were to take a, a sifter. Now that we come through Christmas time, we've seen those sifters where you put things for banking, right? And you sift that. If you were to place in God's word and, and, and fasting and prayer and mentorship and elements from this passage, and you sift that out, you're able to determine God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. These elements act as a grid to help us in guiding the decisions and choices that we make in our life. So if you have that bulletin, there's a place in the back for you to write some notes. I would encourage you this morning, if you've got a pencil, pen stick, lipstick, mascara, whatever you have, you may want to write these down, okay? And the reason for that is scientifically, we know that you will forget 80 to 85% of what you hear within 24 hours if you don't write it down. And the reason I know that is I wrote it down, right? You see how it works? <laughs> Let's, let's look at these elements. The very first verse of this chapter 12, Paul writing, here's what he says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, if we're going to understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, we have to make first and foremost decisions and choices in the view, in the lens, in the understanding and the acceptance of God's mercy. The mercy that he gave each and every one of us as he went to the cross, as he died for us, as he rose and is there at the right hand of the Father today to intercede for us, that hears our prayers. It's in this mercy, the idea and the understanding that we don't deserve it, but he provided it. It's this mercy. However, in our culture, typically decisions, resolutions, i.e. choices are typically not made in the view or the lens of that mercy. Many times they're made simply maybe in the, in the view of the, the, the impression to, to see something for themselves. Maybe to impress others. Like, I want to decide what I drive, where I live, how I look, what I wear. Not so much in the view of God's mercy, but maybe to, to impress. Not long ago, my son, when he was, actually, he was actually about eight years of age, we were actually in a gymnasium working out. And there was a guy that was in there, and I mean, he was lifting some massive amounts of weight. He's working out, and I remember Jackson saying, I want to be like that guy. And I said, well, bud, I mean, do you just want to be real, like lift a lot of weight like that? He said, no, I want all those bumps like he has. <laughs> it wasn't so much about living healthy, it's about looking impressive, right? We maybe want to make decisions to oppress, or, or maybe we want to make choices or decisions to simply to achieve or, or to be successful in our culture, or around our cul-de-sac, or in the, the club that we're a part of. There's a book that Buford wrote that's called Halftime, and it talks about the majority of gentlemen, specifically men, as they move through their life, as they're moving through their four up to their 40s, that they're fearful they will never get on top of the success ladder. 
And then when they finally reach the success ladder, they're fearful that they're going to get knocked off the ladder. And Buford says somewhere in there, it goes from desiring to be successful to wanting to do something significant, right? The decisions to impress or to achieve are maybe simply for search for happiness. The number one thing Americans are searching for, they say, is happiness. And happiness is a derivative of a Latin word that means happenings. I, I have literally been with individuals that have closed on their home, their dream home. If we can find this home, if we can close on this home, we will be happy. God will have granted us everything. I have been with that couple following the closing of their home at lunch to hear them say, we are so grateful for our new home, but we're thinking about adding on. <laughs> we're thinking about building something else. The search for happiness versus fulfillment that Christ gives us with that personal relationship with him. I have heard people leave relationships in marriage after many, many, many years because their statement was, I'm not happy anymore. Just happy versus the fulfillment that they can find in Christ. Driving down the interstate in Atlanta, Georgia, not long ago, I saw a sign that said, uncontested divorce, 299. The first institution God establishes is the home. And here they are advertising a 299 divorce. Why? Because they wasn't happy versus finding fulfillment in Christ and finding that relationship in Christ as the head of that relationship. Our culture has such a way of dividing and, and making challenges that are there that are really difficult. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. What an incredible passage of scripture and a reminder of how much God loves us. When it comes to our decisions we have to make those in the view of God's mercies, not so much our own personal desires. Even the disciples learn this. When you read the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when you, when you see them desiring something, when you see them praying for something, you don't see that prayer being answered. But when you move to the book of Acts, you see their prayers being answered. Why? Because in the synoptics, they were desiring what they wanted. In Acts, they were chasing after God's will for their life and the leadership that's there. We're reminded that even during the season that Christmas leads to the cross. And we're reminded even with the birth of Christ, as Pastor Ray talked about through the Christmas Eve services, the gospel of Christ, the good news, the mercy and the love that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. Even when we read through scripture, the number one characteristic that seems to come up over and over and over throughout scripture is the mercy of God and the understanding that his mercy, it heals relationships, right? It, it, it restores those dreams. It, it, it brings us closer to Christ that we would encounter that. It reconciles those relationships and it actually refreshes the soul. I love the passage that even Paul talks about it when he says, without the mercy and the understanding of the salvation of God, everything else is, is a minute issue. It doesn't matter. The same writer, as he's writing to the church at Philippians, here's what he says in chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul says, I've got the pedigree, I have the lineage, I have the education, I have the stature, I have all the things that should impress a culture based on my own decisions. 
But then Paul goes on to say this, but ever were gained to me, I now consider a loss. Why would he consider a loss? Look what it says. For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth and knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul says everything else is rubbish in the view of God's mercy. Lamentation says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion, his mercies. Isn't that encouraging? They will never fail us. When we're striving, when we're challenged, when we are looking for answers, when we feel vacant, when we feel unfulfilled, that we're encouraged that his mercies, they will never fail us. When people around us fail us with relationships, they will never fail us. They are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? That we awake in the mornings reminded of this. And not only do we make these decisions in our life, in the view of the cross, in the view of God's mercies, his love and compassion for us, but we're also to, to model that. We're also able to live that out. We're, we're to reflect that in our life. We're to, we're to forgive, right? I, I've heard people say before, I've probably... You guys have probably never heard this, but I have. I've heard people say before, I will, I will forgive them, but I'll never forget. <laughs> right? Now, I know no Christian in this room would ever say that, right? But we, we've heard that. I mean, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? I mean, if that were the case, we'd have blind, toothless people walking around, right? <laughs> we're not only to remember his mercy, but, but we're to reflect that in our life. And sometimes that's challenging to continue to do things or to reach people or to encourage people or, or to live that out and not to see results or, or not to see those changes in our life. There's a young man named Ricardo that lived in Nicaragua. I'd been over there several times, about five years, and we had tried to reach this young man through the school and, and had done all that we could do to try to encourage him and share with him the gospel. And he would come for a little while and he would drop off and he would get involved with drugs and, and really just a, a really challenging lifestyle. Not long ago, about this time last year, I had a picture sent to me on Facebook and it was from Pastor Josue, the pastor of that church. And it was a picture of Ricardo, this young man whose mother and father both abandoned him that found themselves in horrific situations and challenges. Th this young man is there in Nicaragua, and he's not only with Pastor Osue, but they're both standing in the baptistry. And Pastor Osue has shared with me that he was able to lead that young man to Christ, that he would understand the mercies of Christ, and he was able to baptize him. And I remember asking pa Pastor Osue, how did you just continue to walk with that young man? Pastor Osue's immediate response back to me, he said, because of the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. It's in that mercy that we make decisions. It's in that mercy and understanding of Christ that we make resolves in our life that reflect that of spiritual growth and the desire of Christ in our life. I love what John Piper says about mercy. John Piper says this, build your lives on this mercy. Sink your roots into this mercy and your new life will flow out of this mercy. Isn't that great? 
That when we understand that mercy and we, we put everything into that, our lives reflect that mercy and that love and compassion of Christ. Can I share with you this morning, church, our culture, our society that's driven by all the impression, all the success, all the things that are reflected opposite so many times in Scripture, they are designed to see the reflection of Christ, the mercy of God, the love of God, and the desire for them to come to know Christ as His Savior. Isn't it awesome that we can reflect that in our life? Scripture says if, if we're going to understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, not only do we need to make decisions or choices that reflect that of his mercy, the passage of Scripture goes on to say that we're also able to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. And sometimes this idea or understanding of sacrifice, it may be a little different for a lot of, a lot of different folks. For, for many, your idea of, of sacrifice, it may just be surrendering what restaurant you go to after church, Right? Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Well, where, sweetie, where do you want to go? Well, sweetie, I love you. Where would you like to go? Blah, 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 right? Surrendering ourselves. The word present, this, this word present in the original language means to place at one's disposal. That we place our bodies, we place everything we have at one's disposal. That's the reflection of baptism. When we are in ourself and we surrender everything over to Christ, and we are buried, engulfed, right? It's the Savior and the Lordship of our life. We're surrendering everything over to Christ. We're not just holding on to, you know, I, wanna, I want some of that salvation, but I want to hold on to this area, right? We're surrendering everything over. That's this idea in this picture of presenting everything, and then we're raised to walk in the newness of Christ, that we're able to experience that in our life. That's what it means to, to present ourselves. A.W. Tozer says this, the man who would truly know God must give time to him. We, we give everything over to him. It's not just one section, but we present everything over to him. Jeannie and I will celebrate 25 years, March the 17th of this next year. I'm going for the silver plate, baby. Right? No. no. At the conclusion of that 25 years, uh, we don't go to like an enlistment office or to re-up our, or negotiate our contract, right? We, we, married, we married for life, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. We have that love and that compassion to walk that and to have that marriage. One of the things Jeannie's done on significant celebrations of our anniversary, we have a piece of paper that we wrote on a kitchen table in an apartment when we first were engaged, and on that piece of paper, it just says, God, we're placing our yes on the table, right? It will go wherever you want us to go. And we'll do whatever you call us to do. We're presenting not only our lives, but our marriage to you. Right? That we present everything to you. Scripture says not only do we need to make decisions based on his mercy, that we present ourselves as a living sacrifice. But look what it says in verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That, that we're transformed. We talk a lot about transformation here at Grayson, right? We want to see people's lives transformed, and we're all on different pathways of that transformation. Walk like a horse, eat like a horse, smell like a horse. You're probably a... Right? Look like the world, talk like the... Right? Live like Christ, act like Christ, love like Christ, and you're probably a Christ follower, right? We want to be transformed, and we're all at different seasons in that. And we all sometimes desire things maybe that don't reflect that of Christ. It's like a couple who were celebrating their birthday. Both of them were turning 60 years of age. And we were, they were turning 60 years of age, and the lady was getting ready to blow out the candle. And when she blew out the candle, this genie popped up. 
and said, I would like to grant each of you a wish on your 60th birthday. And the lady said, you got to be kidding. She said, nope, one wish. She said, well, I always wanted to travel. Poof, she was off traveling. It was incredible. The man said, so I get a wish too? He said, yes. Can, can my wife hear me? No. He said, well, I've, I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger. Poof, he was 90. Right. Be careful what you wish for, right? The idea that we would think differently, that, that the transformation would be there to encourage us, that our actions would reflect that as sons and daughters of Christ, that we would experience that type and that level of transformation, that we wouldn't find ourselves conformed to the patterns of this world, enslaved by the things that Paul says are rubbish, right, that don't matter, that don't count. There's a little boy who had received a slingshot for Christmas. They went over to the grandmother's house. He had this little slingshot, and he'd been practicing with this slingshot and practicing, and he just couldn't hit anything. His grandmother called him. He's on his way back into the house, and for whatever reason, he has a little slingshot, and he saw his grandmother's pet duck. Whack! Killed it. <laughs> he was just, like, panicking. Runs over, grabs the duck takes it back behind the barn, and there's where they stack the wood, and he hides this duck, thinking that he is scot-free. When he finishes, he looks up, and his little sister is looking right at him. He's like, shh, she says. They go inside to eat breakfast. After they finish breakfast, the grandmother said, Sally, now that breakfast is over, would, would you help grandmother do the dishes? Sally said, I would love to help you do the dishes. But Jack said he would really love to wash the dishes. And about that time, she leans over to Jack and says, remember the duck. The next morning, Jack was supposed to go out and help his granddad. He gets up, gets ready to go out, and the grandmother says, oh, Sally, while Jack's out helping granddad, why won't you help me in the house? She said, grandmother, I would love to help you in the house. But you know what Jack said when he woke up this morning? That he not only wanted to help granddad, but he wanted to help you in the house. And she leaned over and said, remember the duck, right? About a week of this goes on, and finally Jack has just had enough. And he goes up to his grandmother and says, Grandmother, I need to tell you something. I, I shot your pet duck, and I killed it, and I hit it, and he starts unpacking all of this, and the grandmother just pats him on the head and says, Jack, I, I know, I saw you do it from the kitchen window. She says, I was just going to wait and see how long you would let Sally make you do all the chores, right? God has seen our life. How long will we allow our culture to enslave us or to lead us and to make us do the things that really don't matter versus surrendering everything and being able to test and approve what God's will is for our life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will? Can, can you imagine making decisions on our relationships, on our finances, on our children in the view of God's mercies by presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, by transforming the way that we think about living as Christians and followers of Christ. It would be completely different in our homes, in our neighborhoods. As Graceland, as this church, as this faith family, we desire to see authentic transformation, right? We want to see that in our neighborhoods. We have a culture that is searching and desiring for fulfillment, that's looking for answers and truth. 
Hebrew midwife would take a little baby after it had been born, and she would take it into another room, and they had like a sweet pablum that they would make, and she could take that pablum, and she'd just place that just on the tip of that little baby's mouth, and be like, you know, hello, you know, help me, Rhonda, right? I mean, it'd be ready to, to go back in, and they would take that baby back into that mother, and it would desire to nurse. My prayer for 2017, that we would reflect Christ, that we would live in such a way that we'd be able to put the sweet taste of God in the mouths of our neighbors and the next generation and the nations. Amen? As we make decisions to resolve, to reflect God's pleasing and perfect will, where are you in that transformational season of your life? 15 years of age, 35, or maybe 75. We, we, we all have a role to play, right? We all are in a place to make a significant impact by placing our yes on the table. And I pray that's for you are today. You pray with me this morning? Father, we love you so much and thank you for our morning. God, I just pray that you would just bless the remainder of our time. Maybe you're here this morning with heads bowed and you would say, John, you know, I don't even know Christ, but I would, I would love to know Christ and have a relationship with him. I'd like to begin the new year with a relationship with Christ. Can I share with you, you're in a great place to do that. You can just simply ask God into your life this morning, even as you're seated, asking to forgive you of your sins, to, to believe in him, to ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says he's just and faithful to do so. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, John, you know what? In, in our relationship, in our marriage, maybe, maybe we need more of the fulfillment of Christ in our life. Just a few moments, we'll have what we would call the response time. There'll be people that'll be playing music. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Maybe you want to sit where you are and pray. Maybe you want to grab somebody and, and come pray. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you just say, you know what? I don't know what God has in store for me, but I'm going to put my yes on the table. Maybe you're... 70, 75, you've got grandkids. Can I share with you this morning with heads bowed? More than ever, more than ever, do we need the greatest generation to stay engaged. We, we, we need your generation so bad to lead the way, to model, to mentor. Maybe, maybe that's you today. Once again, just a moment, we'll have a response time. And I would just like to invite you just to respond to however God is leading you on this first day of 2017 to respond and understand his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Father, once again, we love you and thank you for this day, and we give it to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.